Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Madison Ford. Thank you all for listening. I'm very excited to introduce y'all to today's guest, Erica. Erica shared so much with us on this episode about her experiences with grief and depression. There's some real gold in this interview, and I do want to give a quick trigger warning. We do discuss suicide and the death of loved ones throughout the episode, so please take care of yourself and don't listen if you'll be pushing too hard. All right. Let's dive in. All right. Welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everybody. Today on the podcast, we have Erica. Erica, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. So let's get started by if there's anything that you want people listening to know about you, uh, you can go ahead and share it. Well, I'm a marine biologist. I have been a fan of Harry Potter for uh, like over a decade. Um, my family's really been into Harry Potter, um, so it was kind of natural for me to get into it. Uh, and yeah. Awesome. Um, do you have any Potter-related information you want to share, like your Hogwarts house or anything like that? Yes, um, I'm a very proud Hufflepuff. Uh, every quiz I've ever taken has been Hufflepuff. I was very scared when Pottermore first came out because I was scared I wasn't going to get Hufflepuff. Um, and then that would just call into question my entire existence. Um, but <laughs> it was okay. Um, I, I got Hufflepuff. Um, and then I'm also, a, what is it, Pukwudgie? Is that how you pronounce it? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I think that's what it is. It says on Pottermore that I think my Patronus is a buzzard, which is a type of bird. Um, I don't really relate to that too much uh, I would say like a bat is more of my Patronus Ooh. but um just because like they are very like home-based like they want to be like cozy but they're kind of creepy looking but misunderstood and that's how like I often feel um so that was like my self-chosen Patronus wow I love that I love I love hearing people's self-chosen Patronuses there's something you know, Pottermore is great, but I think that we kind of know more what's inside. Yeah, <laughs> especially because I feel like that specific quiz is kind of ambiguous. It's just like kind of like how fast you click things. And I like to take my time and read through things. So, you know, you miss a question if you go too slow. So, right. Absolutely. I I, I'm 100% with you there. I, I wrote a, an article on MuggleNet called I Hate My Patronus. So <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> Um, so to get started, um, you had a lot of great, you know, beautiful stories in your submission. So I wanted to kind of start off with, if you can tell us kind of your general experience with, um, mental health and you mentioned depression in your submission specifically. So if you want to kind of just give us like a, a basic overview of what your experience is with that. Well, I'm have, uh, it was, how do I describe this? Um, I had like depressive episodes I felt um, and kind of general anxiety 
um, for, I would say, most of my life. And it wasn't until college when I started going to therapy um, that we kind of talked through and realized that my depression had started back when I was in around like the fourth grade when um, I had a great uncle who passed away when I was like very young um, and I was very close with him and his death was just so impactful to my life. Um, I remember the moment my mom told me he had passed away. I remember going to the funeral and going to the wake and I didn't believe it. I didn't, I was standing in the room and I didn't believe it. Um, I was like, no, his chest is moving. He's breathing. I could see it. Um, my mom was like, no, like he, he, he's not. Um, and it was very, very difficult for me to accept that death. Um, and it really wasn't until I remember so specifically, like my mom was sitting on my right and my sisters were sitting to the left of me. And I remember like kind of just crying once it slowly started to sink in that my uncle had passed away. And I looked over at my sisters and saw their grief. Um, and it was almost like I felt in my head, almost like a switch go off. Um, and I felt in my head this, like my brain just kind of shut off my own grief. And I was like, I need to take care of my sisters in this moment, even though I was the youngest or I am the youngest. Um, I remember taking out my little pocket tissues and giving them to my sisters and like trying to comfort my sisters in their grief. Um, and I kind of realized now as an adult that in that moment, um, my brain was trying to protect me from the grief and in trying to protect me, it just shut it off. And that one thing caused my depression. Um, because I wasn't able to fully experience the emotions I did because in grief, you need to experience it in order to move on from it. So I was just not experiencing the, the moving on from it part. Um, so I was kind of stuck in that grief. And it wasn't until about high school when I started taking woodshop class and I, I loved woodshop and it brought me closer to my uncle because he was a carpenter and it made me feel like, this is a way that I can honor his memory. And um, in that woodshop class, I got very close to my teacher. And I used to call him like my at school dad. I feel like everyone has that like one or like, you know, two teachers that they're just so close with, and they can tell anything to and there's just nothing you can say to that teacher that will, you know, affect how they view you. And in my first year in woodshop, um, we had a student in my class that had commit suicide and my teacher was also very close with that student. So as a class and he, the kid was in my, my class, not just like my graduating class, but like in my classroom class. Mm. And it was very heart wrenching going to that class the next day after it had happened because seeing my favorite teacher grieving was so hard for me. And it was like, cause like, I don't know how to comfort a teacher, you know, I know how to comfort a friend. And even though I considered him my friend, it's just a different level of, you know, relationship. Yeah. And it was very, very difficult to kind of experience that as a class. And we did this beautiful project that as a class we made, it was like a heart um, cut out of wood. And then he jigsawed it into like puzzle pieces and it was all of our names on it. And in the center was a smaller heart that had the student's name. And we gave that to the, the student's family as a, you know, a grieving gift. Wow. And 
it was a very powerful thing to experience as a class. Um, and the next year I took woodshop, I had a different teacher, but, um, you know, my teacher would always come in, he would pop in and he would make sure that, you know, how I was doing. And through in this class, it really, I kind of started to feel lighter well mm-hmm. in this class. And I felt like, um, powerful. I felt like a part of me that I had lost, um, was slowly coming back to me. Um, I started, it sounds it's so little, but it, I started, you know, dressing more like myself and I started really allowing myself to, you know, be me. And it, my senior year of high school, unexpectedly, um, something very, very tragic happened where the teacher, he commits suicide. And it was heart-wrenching. And I felt like, I don't know why, but I felt like, why didn't he tell me? And I feel like that's so stupid to think because why, why would he, you know, like, um, but I felt like just this like sense of loss. And I remember I just was going into school and I just was like on autopilot. And I remember, um, it was like all of those feelings from when I was in the fourth grade came rushing back in of, I just lose people. And I, I started to develop this thing where I can't get close to people because they'll leave. Mm-hmm. And it was very difficult for me. And it was like the, these, the, that constant self-talk like caused my depression to get so like deeply ingrained. And it it was like this spiral. And then I stopped wearing color pretty much. I think I would, for like a good month, I only wore black in my grieving. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'll, you know, introduce color a little back. And then I only wore like black pants. Like, so in my closet, I got rid of like all of my like denim, like whatever. I only wore black denim. And like, that was a way of like my grief. I was like, I'm just not going to wear color because this grief is so visceral for me. Yeah. Um, so it, it was, it was just such a difficult situation to go through so young and at that time, luckily, I had friends that um, I genuinely believed that I had seasonal affective disorder at that age because um, my uncle had passed away around Christmas time. So from the fourth grade to high school, Christmas was always just very difficult time for me. So I was like, oh, I have seasonal affective disorder because, you know, I'm thinking about my uncle. He's not here anymore. Um, and that, that's what I believed. And then when my teacher passed away in March... Um, it wasn't until like late spring where I started to feel okay again. Um, so I was just was like, okay, so this period is just very difficult for me because I'm thinking about my loved ones that have passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was in college, um, I'm very close with my grandparents and, uh, my grandfather, he w- had Parkinson's for years and, um, he, you know, was just living with it and, you know, it was slowly getting worse uh, when I was in college. And when I went back for my senior year of college in the fall, um, my family kind of was like, this is getting way worse. Uh, You have to come, like, we're we're expecting to hear bad news, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just kind of like a waiting game. And it was terrible because you're now grieving someone who is alive. Um, So that was when I decided I'm going to go to therapy because I realized that grief and my depression were so intertwined. 
Um, and that was the moment that I was like, okay, I, I need to do this. And it was also my now husband, uh, then boyfriend, he had graduated the year previous. So it's not like I had that support system at school. Um, so I was like, okay, I need to do this for me. Um, so I, I went, I was actually in a very negative place cause it was the weekend, uh, my now husband dropped me off, uh, at school. Um, my, I was an RA, so, or a resident assistant and my floor had come back and my husband came to visit me and then he left. And when he left, I completely dissociated. I, started to like spiral. I was looking at my reflection in the mirror because I was grabbing my like towel to go like get ready for bed. And I looked in the mirror and I didn't know who I was looking at. And I was like, why is that girl crying? And like, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And in that moment, I was like, this isn't right. Like something here is wrong. So the next day I went to our wellness center and I started therapy then. And I went in and the therapist said to me, um, what do you think you have? And I remember being very frustrated by that sentence. And I'm like, isn't that your job? <laughs> um, and uh, he was like, what do you think you have? And I said, I think I have seasonal affective disorder because I feel depressed in the winter. And he said, okay, uh, no. And I was like, no, <laughs> what do you mean by no? <laughs> and he goes, you're just depressed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, um, okay. Uh, so yeah. And I remember that was something then we, you know, I, I came back and that's something we dealt with until around in November, late November, my grandfather passed away and I was in the room when he passed away. It was not just me. It was our whole family. Um, it was like, you know, everyone pretty much like my cousins were there and we, we were there and, um, we were all crying. It was very, very upsetting, obviously. And then no, no one wanted to leave his bedside. And then someone was like, well, we have to eat. Like, you know, everyone's getting hungry. Everyone's just like at their wits end. Let's just take a break from his bedside. Let's go eat. And then we'll all come back. So that was what we did. And when we came back, I think it was within the hour he had passed. And my mom, uh, later, she kind of not laughed, but kind of said he always had to make sure that his family was provided for. So he was waiting for us to eat, <laughs> um, you know, to, you know, sit down and to have that last meal before he passed. Uh, he wanted to make sure that we were all okay. And I was holding his hand with my sister when he passed. And so I saw him pass. And after, you know, the, you know, the tears kind of subside and you kind of get your voice back. I remember looking at my bed, my, my mom who was standing across the bed for me. And I said, we can see Thestrals now. And the rest of the room kind of didn't really understand or they didn't really like, it was nothing, but my mother and my um, eldest sister are really big Harry Potter fans. And they both just kind of, you know, started crying again. And they were like, yeah, uh, we can see Thestrals now. And it was one of those things I was like, I never wanted to see Thestrals, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it was just so difficult to kind of come to that realization. And I think I started to understand how Harry must have felt uh, the first time being able to see Thestrals. Um, because 
you know, I see my grandfather everywhere in everything, you know, uh, now I just bought, we, my husband and I just bought our first home and, you know, you know, even taking care of the lawn. I was like, oh, Nana would love to see how our house looks or he would love to see, you know, us planning a garden or stuff like that. Things that, you know, were really important to him. And it was just very difficult because my grandfather, my Nana, he was my best friend and losing him was kind of just this thing that like, I know since losing him, um, I've pretty much exclusively worn black. And it's like something that it kind of fits into who I am as a person because I generally wear darker colors and, you know, metal band t-shirts and stuff. So it's not like it was very difficult for me, but it was a very conscious decision of, you know, not to make light of it, but like that running joke that's like, does this come in black? Like, that's me. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it wasn't until more recently, like I would say within the past year that I started, you know, incorporating a little bit of color back, but it's still primarily, maybe a little bit of color back into uh, my wardrobe, but it's still primarily that the grief color. Um, Yeah. So I remember going back to therapy um, after uh, fall, break and my therapist was like so like how's everything doing like how are you doing I was like well uh my worst fear just happened I lost my grandfather and I kind of realized in that moment that my therapist wasn't quite for me which I think everyone has to you know deal with that and your therapist not might not be the correct person to go to because he was like oh okay and then like he just wanted to carry on the conversation and I was like do you not remember that this is why I'm here like it was preemptive in case this happened and it did um Mm. so it was very difficult feeling this grief because now I'm back at school and I have to act like business as usual I have to go to my classes and I have to take tests and you know midterms were coming up and I just have to deal with this and um it was very very difficult for me to maintain my grades maintain like like anything, I remember um, I, as a marine biologist, we have um, like the labs we have to take. And I had um, an ichthyology lab uh, and I was sitting in class and we had to, I forget what the word is, but it was like a, um, some sort of test we had to take in ichthyology. And um, I remember just looking at it and I was like, I, like my brain just I couldn't process I was like I don't know any of the answers on this I think I answered like two questions and then I handed it in and I just wrote I'm sorry across the top of it handed it in and then left and then my teacher when I guess when he was done grading he called me into his class and he was like into his office and he was like what's going on like are you okay Mm -hmm. and I said to him I was like I just lost my grandfather and I said I just started antidepressants um And the way my depression kind of manifests itself um, is my memory kind of doesn't always connect. So it's very hard for me to, you know, memorize things for tests and to remember details of like, I can read a whole book and then I can like, I could tell you the basic synopsis, but I wouldn't be able to tell you the details where when I was a kid, I could tell you the exact details of things. And you know, it just, everything was kind of fuzzy. So my teacher was, he was incredible. He said to me, he was, why didn't you tell me this? And I was like, well, 
it's college. I was always told that in college, your teacher's not going to baby you. Your teacher doesn't care. Um, so I thought I will just take the fail for this because it's my fault. And he was like, it's not your fault. And he actually, I was very, very lucky. He let me retake the test, wow. um, you know, when I felt better. But it was something that, you know, I was like, well, I just thought I just had to suck it up and deal with it. And he was like, absolutely not. He's like, this is your mental health. It's not your fault at all. And it was like kind of in that moment that I felt so seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like it was okay. And it was completely normal to have this uh, and to be dealing with this. And um, yeah, um, I know that it was very hard for me behaviorally because um you know, just like Harry in Order of the Phoenix, I felt like I was just angry all the time. Like, how can we live in a world that doesn't have uh, my grandfather in it? Um, Like, how is that okay? And I remember that's something that my mom and I used to talk about a lot because we were like, how does the world keep turning? You know, because for us, it felt like the world stopped, you know? Yeah. Um, And it was kind of difficult getting back into just the swing of things. And um, I remember I would get angry at people who wouldn't bring up or wouldn't consider my grief in things. Like if people didn't say, well, Erica's going through something right now, so let's like not put all this on her, Um, especially with work and everything, you know. Um, And then I would get mad when they did at the same time. Like, Mm -hmm. Like no one could win with me. I was just mad no matter what. And... I I remember, like, people would say to me, like, oh, you're so lucky that you were with him in his final moments. And I remember getting mad about that. I was like, why would I want to see the person I love most in this world die? Like, who who would want to see that? And they're like, well, at least he was surrounded by his loved ones. And I was like, but he had Parkinson's. Like, that's such a terrible disease to die of because it's just your muscles slowly shutting down. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like, like his heart stopped because his muscles shut down. Like his lungs weren't working. Like, like like to me, I think about it from a scientific perspective of, you know, these things are happening and like he had no control. His mind was still there. And I was like, like for me, I would get angry at people for not understanding that, but it's like now looking back, like how could I expect them to understand um, if they just don't know? Mm-hmm. And upon a recent reread of um, the order of the Phoenix, there's a part where at the end of Haggard's class, uh, when, you know, we are introduced to Thestrals by name um, Hermione says, oh, like, this is so incredible that, like, you know, some people are able to see them and some can't. I wish I could. And it was just, like, this one-off statement. And Harry just quietly says to her, do you? And then Hermione realizes in that moment, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, no, of course I don't wish to see them. Like, that's terrible. I'm so sorry, Harry. Because, you know, it's just that one-off statement of the same thing of, oh, at least you were with him in your grief. And it's just like, but no, (laughs) like, you know, I don't want to, you know, be able to say I see Thestrals, and it's such a different kind of grief to, you know, when I lost my uncle, and when I lost my teacher, like, it it was such a different kind of feeling, because we were there, Mm -hmm. and it was a different relationship, because he was my grandfather, and I was so much closer to him than I was, you know, the other two influential people of my life, 
Um, so, I mean, even now I have come to embrace being able to see Thestrals. Um, and I really, I have like, um, I collect Funko Pops and I have, there's like a couple different kinds of Thestrals they have. I have the Thestral key ring. I have the little mini one um, next to a picture of my grandfather in my room. I have like the larger size one that sits on my desk. Um, I even have a tattoo of a Thestral. Like, wow. I, I have come to fully embrace it. <laughs> um, and to me, Thestrals have come to represent this thing of the feeling of that grief. Um, but being able to see it in your day to day. Um, and, you know, cause the way they're described even in the books of, you know, some people are able to see them, some can't. I think everyone, the way they experience grief is different. Um, you know, when Hagrid says to the class, you know, who here can see him, you know, talking about the Thestral and like Harry Neville. And I think there was like a Slytherin boy that was able to see them. And Hagrid says to Neville, like, oh, who is it for you, Neville? Who did you see pass away? And he said, oh, my, my grandpa. Um, and it just makes, it's like so, something so layered of, you know, these three students, to me, now they have this point of reference with each other of, we all feel this different kind of grief. Like, I just wish that Hogwarts, that there was like some sort of like place that they can go to. And I don't know if like, you know, they could go to their head of house to talk about these things. But like, I think that there's no like grief counseling. Like, yeah. I, you know, I wish we heard that like Madame Pomfrey, like on Wednesday nights, if you guys want to talk about these things, like mental health, you know, you, you know, you, everyone's welcome, you know, I, I wish. And I know that there's only so much you can explore in <laughs> however many pages. And I know it's probably doesn't go with, you know, our main plot line or narrative, but I just wish there was something that, you know, Harry could have gone to. Cause I felt like he lost Cedric and even Cedric's death, it's like a moment and it's done. And I think like, I know me the first time reading it, I had to, you know, go back and forth and reread it a few times. And I was like, wait a minute, what, what just happened? Um, and it, it's really, I feel like Order of the Phoenix really explores what happened. And to me, Order of the Phoenix is just a book about Harry's grief uh, from Cedric. Um, and I don't know, like just dealing with, you know, you never really feel like there's enough time with someone. Because I feel like Cedric could have been someone that Harry was close with, you know, after they went through all the trials together. And um, I felt like they kind of developed this relationship of like, you know, yes, we're competitors, but let's do this for Hogwarts. And like, that's more important to us than, you know, going up against each other. Um, wow. I really admire the um <clears throat> the clarity and the kind of intention I see laced throughout what you've been talking about um the I think a lot of times with grief and depression things can get really foggy and hearing you talk about you know you know that you're wearing black clothes because of grieving and then the Thestral is such a um like a corporeal representation of that mm -hmm. feeling. And so it just, it's a really, I mean, it's a testament to the um, strength of the symbol in the books, you know, the Thestral is this idea that it's so easy to latch onto and gives a kind of 
clarity of feeling to that particular uh, experience. And I know that even at the end of Order of the Phoenix, uh, when Luna is putting up signs uh, for her missing items, um, Harry, at this point, had just lost Sirius Black. So that's a whole other thing. It's like a whole other can of worms. Because it's like I just was starting to get over the one grief, and then now I'm here again. Um, And it only gets worse in the Harry Potter books from there. So it's just like, it's this constant feeling that Harry has to deal with. And I think, um, like, he doesn't want to be around Hagrid. He didn't want to be around Ron or Hermione. He's like, doesn't even want to be around his friends. He's pushing everyone away, which was something that, like, I could relate to so much, is that I just would push everyone away and then get mad at them for leaving and not putting up with me anymore. And I would say, like, oh, well, everyone in my life you know, wants to leave, you know, and that's something that, like, I would continually do, um, and when he talks to Luna, uh, at the end of their conversation, you know, Harry says, like, oh, well, Harry remembered in that moment that Luna could see Thestrals, too, and it was, like, the one moment where he's, like, this is someone who has a point of reference and knows what it's like to lose someone on, in in this way, and, um, it, it was just so powerful because it was the first time that we really see Harry kind of calm, calm in a little bit. Like, it's the first time we see Harry relax. And the first time we see him, because the whole book, he's so angry at the world and is just constantly lashing out at everyone, mm-hmm. which is something that I could relate to. It was something that I really felt on a, like a, this deep level of just like, no one understands what I'm going through. Like, I would get mad at, you know, my sisters and how they were grieving because it wasn't how I was grieving. And, you know, that's not right. And, like, it's something that, like, again, like, now upon looking back, I realize that, like, everyone grieves differently, you know. every Some people keep it more internally. Some people, you know, say it more out loud. Everyone is different in how they deal with these things. Um... So, of course, like, how could I be mad at someone for grieving differently? Um, like, that that's not right. But it, it was just something that, like, knowing that someone else, even if it's not a family member, like, if you just discuss with someone, like, it, it's hard. Sorry. It's, like, hard to explain, but, like, um, Harry being able to remember in that moment, well, let, Luna can see Thestrals, too. Like, Luna can... Uh, understand in some way what this is like um and that be his point of kind of a way to simmer down because he feels like no one understands what I'm going through um but this is someone around his age who's dealt with a very close person to him you know her mother she saw die like um you know Sirius Black was not only a father figure but like a brother figure to Harry like you know losing Sirius was you know a bit similar. Um, it wasn't exactly the same, but it was a bit similar. Um, so I think in that moment, Harry is just able to kind of, you know, take a step back and say, there are people who understand this and I shouldn't keep pushing them away. Um, and I think that was something that I realized upon when graduating college, when I reread all the books, um, that, you know, so much of Harry Potter is about communication and friends and working on things together. And it's when Harry tries to do things alone that kind of everything 
kind of spirals. But when he just reaches out and is willing to accept people for who they are and like what they can provide for him in that moment, that things kind of start running smoother for him. And I think that that is something that like I really took away from the books as an adult rereading them of, you know, is find that community and really allow them to help you. And maybe it's not the way you would help yourself, but or you would help someone else. But you have to just accept that this is how they want to help you. And that needs to be enough. We've talked a little bit about Harry Potter and um it's obviously influenced the way that you've gone through these experiences. And so I was wondering if you can kind of take us through the journey of when you first read the Harry Potter books to this point of rereading them later on in your life with your changed perspective. Uh, Can you walk us through that? Yeah. Um, I started reading Harry Potter in the fifth grade and um, as a child, I really hated reading. Um, I don't really know why, but uh, we would have designated times in class to, you know, everyone would bring out their own books. It wasn't for school. It was just like your book that you're reading for fun. Um, and I would bring in like Tiger Beat and Bot Magazine and like read about the Jonas Brothers. Like I, I didn't want to read books. And at first my teacher was okay with me doing that. Um, and then when it started to get into like winter, like we're really getting into the school year, I remember her pulling me aside and saying, I can't let you keep reading magazines. Everyone else is reading books. Um, you know, you need to start reading books. She said it in a very kind way. Like it wasn't like she was being, you know, rude to me. She didn't say it in front of the class. She just was like, you really need to, you know, get on board with everyone mm-hmm. else. So I kind of, you know, curmudgeonly like kind of went over and I just grabbed like a random book and I started reading and I just wasn't into it and like that's kind of like how it always went is I just wasn't into the books that I was reading I, I didn't feel invested in them I didn't really care about the characters um and it wasn't until the fifth grade teachers there's three of them in my elementary school and all three of them were obsessed with Harry Potter like just in their own ways. I know one teacher even had like this huge Hogwarts banner in his classroom. Like they were just so into it. So they were pushing Harry Potter onto anyone that they could. Um, And I knew Harry Potter from, you know, the movies, but also my eldest sister read all the Harry Potter books. My mom read them, you know, at the same time that my sister was. And I don't know if anyone else's family is like this, but in my house, it was like, my eldest sister, she liked Harry Potter. My middle sister, she liked Lord of the Rings. You know, I liked like Scooby-Doo and cartoons <laughs> and um, Winnie the Pooh. And, but like, we couldn't have crossovers. It was like, this is her thing and that's it. Um, and if you like my thing, like, <laughs> you're not allowed to, uh, which is completely ridiculous. And like, we've grown out of that. Like, that's not something we obviously do anymore. But um I remember being scared to read Harry Potter because I was like, no, I can't read that. My That's my sister's favorite book. And my teacher was like, just read it. Like, just try it, you know? Um, so I remember, like, borrowing the book. from Like, I didn't even want to borrow my sister's book. Like, we had it in the house. But I didn't want to borrow her book because I didn't want her knowing I was reading the book. Um, so I borrowed it from the library. And I remember, like, from the first couple chapters, just being like just loving this world. And I remember like hiding it in like my stack of clothes when I would go like downstairs to like go, you know, take a shower, like to do something like, you know, I would hide the book in whatever I was holding it. I would like read while I was like trying to like, you know, snack while I was, you know, 
doing my homework and, um, you know, different things. I would like hide the book. My mom knew I was reading it and she just thought this was ridiculous. She's like, oh, just read it. Like, who cares? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, I don't want her to get mad at me. My mom's like, if she gets mad at you, that's on her. Like, it's fine. And I think honestly, like looking back, my sister totally knew that I was reading it. Like, it wasn't like it was this big secret. Like I thought it was, <laughs> um, <laughs> and the thing is like I read the first I think it was like three books in like a month and we always had this like contest in class where like it was every time you finished a book it was like an analog goodreads basically you would go into class and you would take out your file and you would write down the name of the book the author um a little bit like how you felt about the book and then you would um write the page number and then my teacher at the end of every month would like count up everyone's pages and whoever the top three people were that got the like the top pages would get like a you know little prize and I never won any of these prizes because I just wasn't reading and it wasn't until I started reading Harry Potter and then my librarian saw that I was reading Harry Potter so she started um giving me I don't know if you've read like the Septimus Heat books Mm -hmm. and um Charlie Bone like all these fantasy books because they were like oh she likes fantasy like we were just recommending all the normal books that kids read at this time but you know she likes fantasy so that was when I really started getting into reading and I remember even into middle school I did a project my like sixth grade year of um on like Hufflepuffs because you had to like I don't remember what the project was but um I did it on like being a Hufflepuff and like how that affected my life and like I thought it was this big like deep thing and I remember like wanting to talk to my mom about the books and like I remember being like so specific like things that like basically people are doing now in their podcasts of like oh this one moment that happened in the book like let's talk about that my mom's like how do you even remember this one thing that happened in the book like it it was an insignificant thing to the plot like it doesn't matter and I was like no but it does and I remember just like wanting to like just talk about Harry Potter all of the time (laughs) um and then as I kind of got older and like school started to happen I kind of I don't want to say I didn't care about Harry Potter anymore but like I had finished all the books um up to you know where they were and then like I remember like where I was when the seventh book it was like the night before the seventh book came out my mom had taken my sisters and like a couple of our friends to go see I think the fifth movie was in theaters at Mm -hmm. the time um and I remember we saw the movie and I remember we were driving home and it was the first time I started like hyperventilating because I was like what do I do the last book is coming out like, what, 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 what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, because I felt like just the world was just going to end. Like, it was obviously like the Harry Potter world was just ending. So it was like, how do I function? And it, I think looking back on it now, I think because I started reading the books in the fifth grade. Um, in the fourth grade was when my uncle that I had previously talked about passed away. Um, this was the first, like, it was an escape it was the first thing that I could just get away from my normal day-to-day life. I didn't have to read about someone else's normal day-to-day life. I could just go to Hogwarts, a place where it's, you know, semi-safe. <laughs> um, and it's just like, there's dragons. And that was when, like when my obsession with dragons started. Like, it was just like, it took me to this place where I didn't have to deal with the day-to-day. I didn't have to deal with my own feelings. And it was like the first time that I was able to feel things. I felt things with the characters. And I got so invested in the characters. And at moments where I couldn't feel my own feelings because my brain was trying to protect me and like shut part of, you know, what I was feeling off. um, It 
allowed me this world that was safe, that allowed me this like warm hug, this blanket of just, these are your friends. And these are people that um, are this community that you can kind of sink your teeth into and really feel comfortable with. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And I think that's why the Harry Potter fandom has, you know, so many people that are so invested in it is because of this feeling of just like coming home every time you open the books. Like every time you read the first chapter of the first book and you're like introduced to the Dursleys, you're just like, like you, everyone knows someone like the Dursleys. (laughs) And, you know, I think it's just like, you kind of pour yourself into it because it pours so much back into you. Um, And then, you know, I I would watch the movies as they came out. And then, you know, for me in college, I didn't have time to read stuff for fun or I would like sometimes like watch movies or TV shows. I would like have that playing while I was like trying to organize my notes and stuff. But, you know, I kind of lost, I mean, I didn't even think for a while I wasn't even really listening to music. And like, that was a huge part of my life too at that time, especially in high Mm -hmm. school. Um, so I kind of like lost all of those things for myself. So then when I lost my grandfather, it was like, oh, now I've lost something else. Um, but, you know, understanding that feeling of seeing Thestrals and grief and whatever kind of made me want to reread the books again. So then when I graduated, the first thing I did was, you know, after getting a job (laughs) was to reread all the books and I just made time to reread all the books and it, it just felt so good to reread the books. And then I started listening to all like Harry Potter podcasts and whatever, just because I felt like I was annoying everyone in my life by talking about Harry Potter all the time. Um, so I was like, well, these people are also grown adults that are talking about Harry Potter. And so I'm not the only one out there. Uh, and it was just so much fun to see the world with fresh eyes and to kind of, see things and um, really experience things. Because growing up, my favorite book and movie was always um, Prisoner of Azkaban. It, you know, if anyone had asked me, I was like, oh, the Prisoner of Azkaban is my absolute favorite one. I think that's when the movies start getting a little darker and grittier. Um, in the book, like Lupin was one of my favorite characters growing up. Um, and I was like, you know, I really felt like that's when the world kind of got a little bit deeper um in that like now we're learning about Harry's parents and we're learning about this whole other layer of just characters and I really liked that uh as a reader and I always remember in the fifth book I just got annoyed like everyone else I feel like the first time you read the fifth book especially when you're a kid you just get kind of annoyed with Harry you're just like oh stop yelling like you're fine and I think you just want him to get over it constantly um and it wasn't until I was an adult and I reread the book that I remember just crying rereading the book because so many details of that just like the the small things that the way Harry is described of just laying on his bed and not doing anything and just being angry just wanting to yell at people and like he would pick fights with you know his friends and even like with Dudley for like nothing just just because you're in the room and I'm angry but I'm not angry at you but now I'm gonna make you angry at me because I'm angry at myself and I'm angry at the world for not understanding how I'm mm-hmm. feeling. Um, and I think growing up, that was just too close to home. I didn't want to accept that that's the way I was acting with other people, um, that that's the way other people were experiencing me was the way I was experiencing Harry uh, in that book. 
um, I don't think I wanted to accept that at all. Um, and it wasn't until I was older that I was able to kind of forgive myself and understand Harry. And, you know, now looking back, everything Harry does to me is completely justified. You know, every outburst, everything is completely justified. Like, like, don't get me on my soapbox about it. Like, <laughs> I was like, I could just, like, he is struggling so hard and there's no resources for him to really express it. Um, and even the people that he feels like, oh, this should be a resource, you know, going to McGonagall or Dumbledore or his friends or, you know, having these, you know, resources, you know, Sirius was his resource. And then he felt like he didn't even have that. And then he loses that. Um, it was something that was so, like, too on the nose for mm-hmm. me um, of, you know, getting mad at the people that were showing up every day and trying to help. And, um, you know, now I see that as something that, like, you know, that, that was wrong of me for not understanding that. But I also forgive myself because I didn't have the knowledge and I didn't have the, the general wherewithal of my own actions to understand that. And I think, like, now grieving my grandfather has been so different because I'm able to kind of take a step back and say, I am hurting right now. Um, so if I say something to you, it's not you. Um, you know, that's whoever is in the room. Um, I am just dealing with something right now. And I think that being able to express that um, is a lot easier for the people around you to understand, one, what you're going through, but also how they can help. I know, like, when I lost my grandfather, I was very... It was a lot easier for me to explain to people, like, I either do or do not want to talk about this right now. Um, I, you know, if I did want to talk about it, I wanted to lead the conversation. I didn't want someone else to tell me how they experienced grieving, you know, someone they knew, um, all the time. Sometimes that was very frustrating for me to hear. I was like, I don't want to talk about you right now because <laughs> like, I'm so in my head, like I need to talk about yeah. me. Um, but sometimes that was really helpful. It was like, it was helpful for me when someone said something to the effect of, I remember what it was like to lose my own grandparent, but I can't imagine what you're going through because, you know, I wasn't in the room or because, you know, you had a different relationship, even if they were very close to their grandparent and they were in the room, like, you know, similar to my thing, the relationship is not the same, you know, like everyone deals with it differently. I appreciated the people that were, that would say something. I don't know what to say right now. I know that this is bringing up my own, memories of when I was grieving. If you need me just to be here with you, I'll sit here with you. And that meant so much to me. And I think, especially in college, um, and especially because I was a resident assistant, I feel like you're kind of trained to be able to have that level of, like that helping hand. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think like the, the friends that I had were just able to express that in a way that was very comforting and like is was what I needed at the time. I'm glad that uh, it's it's really wonderful how it all kind of syncs up this new perspective gained reading the books again and then you know the perspective gained with yourself how you're able to look and see what you need as you're dealing with your emotions and uh, I think those parallels are really beautiful. Do you have any uh, anything else in regarding your story or anything else that you want to share? Uh, I don't know. I guess dealing with so much grief 
in my life. It kind of has given me this um, perspective on grief that I obviously wouldn't have without gone going through it firsthand in three very different ways. I mean, I've lost other people in my life, but these those were the three that completely changed my life in mm-hmm. different ways. Um, and I think, like, I'm definitely not, like, a master on grief because, like, who would even want that title? But um, I think it's something that I know that, like, when I've had friends that started to lose their own grandparents or lose people in their own lives, it's something that I feel like better about being able to support those people in those moments because I at least hope that you know just being that checking in being that uh person to kind of come to when they just need someone just to sit with them like I hope I can become that person uh for others because I know how important that was for me at that time um and I think like we all can use our own struggles with mental illness and grief and, you know, anything to kind of, instead of taking it from, you know, I know myself, the almost, I don't want to say the juvenile perspective, because I don't want to minimize, but, you know, the very, like, the perspective of, you don't know what I'm going through, because I'm going through it, and, like, kind of keeping everyone at arm's distance, um, because you feel like your own pain is worse. I think that that's a very, like, simple way of dealing with things. Uh, And again, like, not to minimize it or make it sound rough if that is someone's way of processing. But I think being able to kind of understand how your actions might be perceived and then being able to say to people, um, this is what I'm going through. I know you know that, but this is what I need from you in that moment. I think, like, taking charge of a, of a situation that you don't feel any control in is something that I found a lot of strength in. Um, Cause I had no control of when I would, you know, go into a depressive spiral and I would have no control of just like wanting to lay in bed and sleep for, you know, 14 hours. Like I couldn't control those moments. So when I could get those little bits of control back, when people would like try to like pity me or something. And for me to just say like, I don't need your pity right now. I just need you to, you know, come to dinner with me, or I just need you to be there while um, I'm working on my homework and we can work on homework together at the library. Like, I just need you to, like, be there for me. So I hope that, like, when other people are going through it, I'm able to give them that in the same way, if that makes any sense. Definitely. I like, uh, I think it's important to come full circle like that. And uh, not, not just because it's, you know, the right thing or whatever, but I think it's good for us to be in that position of offering support after we have been supported in our lives. Yeah. Um, so as we wrap things up here, I just want to know if you have any final words of wisdom, advice, or if there's anything else you want to share with all of us. I guess uh, you don't know who's out there that is struggling with someone, uh, not someone, uh, you don't know who's out there and is struggling with something or is grieving or, you know, can see Thestrals because like the students at Hogwarts, Thestrals are invisible to most people. Um, You know, it's something that most people don't even really think about or can't see, can't look at. Um, Grief is something that you can't see or look at in any way. Um, so I think just, you know, being kind to people, um, that one, you, you know, do know 
are going through something or two, just, you know, being kind to people in general. Um, don't always be so quick to jump the gun when someone's being, you know, might, might be a little bit short-tempered or, um, you know, angry or sad in any sort of way. Um, kind of see it as a moment to be like, hey, you know, is everything okay? And if they get angry at you, you know, especially if it's a friend or even if it's a stranger, just being like, okay, and just kind of let them uh, either come to you when they're dealing with something, like being able to say, um, this is what I need, like I've said previously, or, um, you know, being able, especially if it's a friend, I feel like that's always a little bit easier of saying, like, where do you need me right now? Like, in what ways do you need me to show up for you? And if they say, like, well, I don't even know, you know, just show up in the ways that you can, um, you know, just whether it's a text just to check in on them, um, you know, take them out, you know, to coffee or something and, you know, really be there for them as much as you can, um, just so they don't feel more alone in a situation that feels so isolating. I think that's my biggest piece of advice. Well, thank you so much for that. I think that is beautifully wise. And uh, I think it's such a great way to support. And um, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm, I agree very much. I'm, uh, this has been such a lovely interview and you've really uh, been so vulnerable and told your story with such um, eloquence and feeling that I, I think people will have a lot to get out of it. And just thank you so much, Erica, for being on the show with us. Thank you. It's, uh, I don't want to say it's hard for me to talk about these things, but I feel like um, finding the places to be able to talk about these things is always a little bit hard because usually when you bring up like grief, death, suicide, uh, people don't want to talk about those things. People are like, uh, I don't want to even be aware of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like people just, they just, no one wants to deal. And like everyone is going to die. Like um, it, it's going to happen. It's going to come for all of us. So for me, I've really come to the point in my life where um I don't want to say I enjoy talking about it, but I'm not scared to talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not scared to say to people, like, I, I know I even have a shirt that uh, it has, like, a tombstone on the back and on the sleeve it says, relax, we all die. Um, <laughs> and to me, it's just, it's it's kind of a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's a way of just saying, like, listen, like, this is going to happen. Um, and if we don't talk about it, I think it's only hurting ourselves. Um and I think it's so important that people do talk about grief and do talk about death and, you know, even your own, like, death plan and stuff like that. Like, I don't see it as a morbid conversation anymore. I think at one point I probably would have seen it as a very morbid conversation. But now I'm so comfortable with talking about it that I think it's, you know, important that we, you know, even as a society, really discuss it and don't brush it under the rug because you can't escape it. Right. You can't... Uh... We are. We cannot make horcruxes. We, we do not want yeah. to be like Voldemort. It's important to, you know, it, it's very. I mean, it's just how the whole theme of the Harry Potter books. We need to march toward death and look it in the eyes for what it is. And I'm so grateful that you've shared so much of your experience with with this topic. Well, thank you for letting me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That was our interview with Erica. Erica, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your story. 
We wouldn't be able to keep doing this show the way it is without the continued vulnerability of our guests who share so many parts of their lives. So big thank you to everyone who has shared or who will be doing so in the future. Today, I want to give a huge shout out to Katie Lauren Ford, one of our fabulous patrons. Thank you so much for being a part of the Beyond the Veil community and helping us grow. If you want to join us as a guest on the show, please reach out to us via email, social media, or using our submission form below. I hope you're all doing well, and I look forward to our next conversation in the headmaster's office. Take care. Take care.